It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. Hello, my name is Josh Goldman, and I'm one of the hosts of the brand new pop culture podcast from Vernacular, The Popcast. Each week, we will dive into the latest in pop culture to bring you up to speed with what's going on in the world of entertainment. It's family-friendly and perfect for that dull ride to work on planes, trains, or automobiles. For those of you who are new to the show, and this week that would be everyone, each episode is broken into three segments. First, the snack bag where we cover some of the highlights in pop culture from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one particular pop culture story or event. And finally, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. There's a lot going on out there, and we are here to help. I'm joined today by my co-host, Maureen Goldman, who also happens to be my lovely wife. Hello. Maureen, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully. For those who want to picture what this looks like, we're sitting on the floor of our room, and I'm drinking a glass of wine, so it's a great night already. Absolutely. Okay, so since this is our first episode, I thought it might make sense to introduce ourselves, just give a little bit of background on who we are, we can tell how we met, and what we do in our day-to-day life, and then we'll get into the snack bag. Maureen, why don't you start? Who are you? I'm Maureen. Um, No, in all seriousness, I am... In my early 30s, we've been married almost four years. We have a son, and my background is I studied theater and business in undergrad, um, so I have experience in musical theater and classical theater, including Shakespeare, and now I work in marketing and communications, um, so I have basically taken my love for talking and communicating and being in front of people and parlayed that into the business world. And it is really fun. And I like it a lot. And now you're bringing it to the podcasting world. And now I'm bringing it to the podcasting world. Yes. Okay. So I am Josh and I am Maureen's husband. As she said, we've been married for about four years. My background is in a hodgepodge of things actually, but my, my primary interest is in filmmaking In my day-to-day job, I work in communications as well, but I'm more on the creative side day-to-day, so I do film and photography at my company. And Maureen and I actually met doing a musical together. We were in a production of Oliver, Mm -hmm. and Maureen played Nancy, which is one of the lead roles, and I played the knife grinder, which is not one of the lead roles. The best part about this was that the kids, there were like several children, obviously. Yeah, it's Oliver. It's Oliver. Um, they all called Josh Knife Grinder. Yeah, my name was on my dressing room station where I put my makeup on for the show, literally said Josh Goldman, and the kids, who were definitely able to read, came up to me and said, hey, uh, Knife Grinder, and it was just ridiculous. The entire time. I mean, the entire time. I think we had like a four-week run of the show, so yeah. 
And that's where I love Blossomed, me and Knife Grinder. Yes. So here we are today to bring you the first episode of this pop culture podcast. So we're going to kick things off tonight with our first segment, which is called The Snack Bag. So the first thing is a news story that came up last week. It was rumored at first and now appears to be confirmed, but Reese Witherspoon will be reprising her role as Elle Woods in Legally Blonde 3, set to come out on Valentine's Day in 2020. So Maureen is is clapping her hands now. She's, I didn't want to interrupt, but what I'm thinking is, oh my God, oh my God, you guys. I don't know if we have the copyright to that, so we might have to cut that out. I'm, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, That's so, from Legally Blonde the musical. I'm yes. just very excited about so, this third installment. Yes, yeah, so Legally Blonde first came out in 2001. That's when the movie was released. As Maureen just demonstrated with her lovely voice, it spawned a Broadway musical. And there was also a sequel in 2003 called Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Okay, so Maureen, the thing I want to talk about here is it's been 17 years since the last Legally Blonde movie. Reese Witherspoon will be 44 when the movie comes out. Mm -hmm. is How do there, I feel about yeah, that? Yeah, is you, there... You're like, you're like ready to ask me a question. Let me, let me just cut to the chase here. Number one, it's amazing. Number two, it's amazing. And number three, it's amazing. So I can say that Legally Blonde, the original, is... One of my top 10 favorite movies, maybe. Um, and obviously, I, I love the musical. I will admit that I couldn't tell you the plot line of Legally Blonde number two right now if you offered me a million dollars. But I will say it doesn't matter that I can't tell you the plot of number two because this is this is the type of content, this is the type of movie that's entertainment at its purest. Like this is, you know, something that is just going to entertain someone for the night and I bet it would it will be delightful. And Reese Witherspoon, maybe 17 years have passed since the last movie, but she is stunning. And I would say probably more in her prime now than she was even then. So I can't wait to see what happens next to Elle Woods. And I am so glad that they're having Reese continue to play her rather than kind of doing some kind of flashback or, you know, replacing her with a younger actress. I think Reese Witherspoon is Elle Woods. I think this will be delightful, entertaining, probably very silly. And I cannot wait to be crunching on my popcorn in the movie theater when it comes out. Does that mean that I have to also be crunching on my popcorn? No, it means you'll be babysitting our child. Okay. I love you. Very good. Um, okay, so... Also, yes. I'm sorry, I need to interrupt myself because... It's not babysitting when one of the parents do it. We have some friends we've talked to about this, and sometimes it has been said that when dad is watching the baby, he's babysitting. Now, Josh doesn't say that often. I don't say that. He doesn't say that. But Thank you. If it's any of the parents or primary caregivers in any way, it's not babysitting because it's your child. So you'll be hanging out with the baby, and I'll be crunching, observing, and like loving on Reese from afar. So... My take on the whole thing is that I think you're right. This is definitely going to be a really fun movie. People are going to really enjoy it. It's probably going to make a lot of money. But do you get the sense that the only reason that they've decided to do this is because they think it's going to make money? And and if so, is that a bad thing? I, I'm, yeah, I'm kind no, of No, I don't even want you to finish your question because my answer is who cares? I'm the consumer, right? I'm probably one of their target audience members. Um a woman who loved the first movie, who probably saw the second, enjoyed it, doesn't remember it, right? Like, I I don't 
I, so you're saying it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter to me doesn't in matter. the slightest if they just want to make money on this. In fact, I think that's probably a really smart business decision. If that is what's fueling them, I think it will be entertaining content and that's what it's meant to be. If it makes them a bunch of money, then that's good marketing, which I always support. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so let's jump into our second snack bag topic since I don't think I have anything else to add about Legally Blonde 3 and my limited knowledge of the Legally Blonde franchise. Okay, so the second topic we're going to talk about tonight is this story that's that's been in the news lately. Pete Davidson, who's one of the stars of SNL, and Ariana Grande, who is a global music superstar, uh, and Maureen, I'm sure will tell you, started her career as a Broadway actress at the age of 13. Well, I don't know if she started her career at that point. I'm Maybe sure she was she on probably. Disney Channel. Yeah, first. I don't know her exact background. All I know is that for the brief period of time that I lived in New York City, I did get to see opening night of 13, the musical, which if I remember correctly is by Jason Robert Brown, and it was starring Ariana Grande when she was like this innocent little tween, still with a rock star voice, um, but she was like bubblegum sweet and sang the heck out of the role and now she is obviously like super crazy pop star girl um but yeah I saw her on stage way back when and she was very talented obviously her career has taken a very different direction but um that's my fun fact yes so okay so the story has been that after just 24 days of dating Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson are apparently engaged. And there's a really funny article on vulture.com that's titled everything that's happened in the 24 days we've known Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson were dating. And it pretty much ends with, Oh, they're actually engaged. It's really funny if you read the whole thing. But the thing I want to talk about is this idea in our culture that people can, people can date for such a short amount of time and, and, be engaged. And the reason I also want to talk about this is because I I saw a promo for a new show where I think it's called The Proposal. Yeah. Where cuz I was watching The Bachelorette. Yeah, so and at, Josh was you know, I was fast forwarding the commercials, but of course that one plays between every segment of The Bachelorette. So apparently the the crux of the show is that they have a guy come on and he picks a a woman and at the end of the show he proposes to her. At the end of, I guess, a couple of hours. I am pretty sure that is just pure sensationalism. Now, but, I say this as someone who watches the Bachelor franchise shows and really do love that, like, several of them have gotten married and have children. And I believe, I believe in the love. Um, but the proposal looks like, I mean. Well, it just, it prompted this question for me that is this relationship with Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande going to last? And, or is it something that, just spun up so quickly. They're both in the celebrity culture and they just happen to be in the right place to meet. And it's this whirlwind thing. Obviously we don't know either of them and, and we're certainly not judging if they, well, here, why, why do we, I mean, who are we to say if it's going to last or not? I mean, it's kind of, it's not the decision that I would make, but I'm a very like risk averse type a control freak. <laughs> so like, I know that about myself and I don't think, that I would be comfortable getting engaged after 24 days, but maybe they are. I mean, it's interesting to me, I think, a story like this. And first of all, if you're out there and you're like, who are these people? Don't feel bad because I had to ask who Pete Davidson was and Josh looked at me like I was crazy and had four heads for not knowing. But of course, I recognized him when he pointed him out from Saturday Night Live and gave me some context. But um, 
I don't know. I think if they're happy, then great. The world needs more love in it. I think depending on, I mean, there's a lot of factors we don't know. This could all be spun up by their publicists. Boy, that would be sad. That would be sad. We have no idea. So I'm saying. But that's what we're here to do. We're here to speculate and have fun about it. Well, I'm too nice for that. So Pete, Ariana, I wish you all the best. And if you are engaged for real, I really hope that you make it. Well, that was really nice. Yeah. And I hope they're listening. That would be cool. That would be really <laughs> that cool. That would be really cool. If our first episode, yeah. Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande, listen to this episode, that'd be cool. In which case- Invite us to your wedding. We wish you all the best. We'll be there. And we are gladly accepting I'm guaranteed sponsors. to cry during your vows. Guaranteed. Okay. So our last snack bag topic, and we'll keep this one short. This is a bit more of a serious topic, but in the past week, we have seen the very sad- suicides of two pop culture, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And I want to point out for our listeners that Maureen and I are are not experts in this area. So take what we have to say with a grain of salt. Um, But I I did want to, you know, I was asking Maureen last week when, when all this came up, is this something new or are we just hearing more about mental health in our culture right now and is it just that you know because the celebrities seem to be dealing with it and are and are more open about it with avenues like Twitter and Instagram is that why we're more aware that it's a thing or has it always been the case and you know in in way far back history right not just in this generation um was this always problem or is it you know our culture as the way it is now that's maybe creating more of this and again Neither of us have any actual idea. We are not experts. Um, I have to imagine just, you know, conjecturing that depression and suicide and suicidal thoughts have probably always been, unfortunately, a big part of the human condition and that we're probably just hearing more about it now, especially when it's people who are more in the public eye. I think it's incredibly sad and there's nothing, you know, that I can do except to to feel for their families and and to pray for them and their families. Um, The only thing I would say is we have so many resources now that are available to help. There's therapy, there's medication, there's all kinds of different non-traditional forms to potentially help with depression and healthy eating and and exercise. And I mean, there's lots of things. I don't know the exact effects on them, but I think the more and more that we as a culture can make it okay to talk about mental health and to ask for help. I love therapy. I tell everyone to be getting therapy. I think therapy is one of the best investments you can make. Insurance covers therapy. I think we all have to have insurance now. So like, I mean, that to me is like, you go to the gym, you go to therapy, you meditate, you go to work, you go for recreational time, like unplug at the movies. Like all of those things should be part of good mental health. But I think again, All this to be said is that when you're in a place of depression or anxiety or any kind of mental health illness, I can imagine that it's not rational thought at that point or that it may not be how you would think when you are not experiencing depression symptoms. So again, Josh and I are not experts. I would say the the more that we can be kind to each other, encourage each other and love each other and for anyone out there listening, if anyone is feeling any of those things, to please seek professional help because there are so many people who are out there to help. But 
if anything good can come from these two horrible incidents, maybe it's people feeling more comfortable and supported asking for help. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that that I found really interesting after both of these suicides happened was that there were other celebrities and people of note sharing their own experiences with anxiety and depression and potentially even suicidal thoughts on Twitter, on Instagram. And I think that's a really good thing that, that people feel empowered to talk about these tough issues. And a lot of people look up to celebrities and athletes and to hear that they struggle with the same things that we do. You know, often we put them on a pedestal maybe, and it's, it's good to know. And it's, it's they, I feel like that's an appropriate use of their platform as a celebrity. In that, yeah, I in mean, that beyond life. appropriate, it's a, it's a wonderful and life-affirming way to kind of show a wonderful example of self-care and good mental health. Yeah. Okay, so before we move on, I just wanted to put this out there. Again, Maureen and I are not experts on this, but there is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So if you're at all feeling bad feelings or you need to talk to someone, it's available 24 hours a day. The number is 1-800-273-8255. So please use that resource. Okay, so we're going to shift back to something a little bit more fun for our marquee topic for this week. And our marquee topic this week is the Tony Awards, which were this past Sunday. And then we're going to get a little bit into the state of theater today. So the big winner from the pa- this past weekend was a musical called The Band's Visit, and it took home 10 trophies, including Best Musical, Best Lead Actor, Best Lead Actress, Best Score, and on the play side, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Parts 1 and 2 won six awards, including Best Play and a slew of technical awards. So Maureen, you actually had a chance to see the band's visit. I did. In New York earlier this year. Did you see Tony Shalhoub when? Yeah. Okay. So Tony Shalhoub, who you might remember from the TV show Monk, he's also has a supporting role on the new Amazon show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, which is so awesome. Which is great. Um, So he is the lead. So he's the big name in the show. But Maureen, you saw the show and your impressions were not, were not glowing. Yeah, so first let me say that I stole away. I was at my dear friend's bachelorette party in New York City, so it was like mom's weekend away, and we as the bachelorette party saw the band's visit. So I was there with a bunch of girlfriends, and it was a really fun night out. The show is a beautiful show. It is well-crafted. It is well-written. The music is gorgeous. It is um, a beautiful, like, I felt like... As someone who doesn't, again, I am not an expert in the relationship between Israel and Egypt and and kind of a lot of things that go on in the Middle East, and that's the topic that this show touches on. So I was kind of coming at it looking from the outside in, and I thought that the show did a beautiful job of kind of delicately explaining that balance and kind of showing people in their true form. Um, More is just like people relating to each other. So it's about an Egyptian band that... 
um, comes to Israel and, and they're interacting with a lot of the townspeople there. So there was a lot of good content, but I don't know. It wasn't my, it wasn't my favorite show that I've ever seen. Everyone was incredibly talented. The singing was beautiful. Like I said, the music was gorgeous. The, the, the actual band, um, cause I had the, the people playing the music on stage, incredibly talented and special shout out to my friend, Adam Cantor, who his number was my favorite in the whole show, obviously. Um, I just felt like it, it was such a departure from the traditional, you know, tap dancing Broadway experience that it may be, I haven't seen the movie, but I think that the story might lend itself in musical form even, maybe a bit better on the screen rather than on the stage. Because um, it was a little bit slow moving. Again, a very like a quiet, pensive type musical that makes you think as you're watching it, which is great. But I think perhaps I would have preferred to see it in film where I could see up close the people singing and kind of see those different nuances. I don't know. It, it moved a little slowly for me. I think it's definitely worth seeing. I think people will have very different reactions to this. I think this is the kind of show that you're going to be like, yes, this is my jam. I love this. Like, kill the tap dancing, kill the, you know, dancing walkers from, what is that? What is that show? The producers. You know, all of that kind of, like, shtick. If that's not your thing, this musical will be your jam. Um, I like a little bit of both, but I think that this one, to me, just moved a little slower than I would have liked, and I'd love to see it maybe explored in the musical version through film. Okay, so we're going to get back to the 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 best musical nominees in a second when we talk about the current state of theater in New York. So thank you for your recap of the band's visit. I want to ask you, though, and, and I'll, I'll also give my thoughts. Um, so the hosts of the Tony Awards this year were Sarah Bareilles, who's one of Maureen and I's favorite love her. musicians. I love her. Yes. Sarah, if you're listening, I love you. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And Josh Groban. So they were the two hosts. So Maureen, what did you think of their their work? Yeah, I thought they did great. I think hosting a show, especially one of these award shows, has gotten harder and harder as the expectations have weirdly been set higher and higher when comedians are doing it or, you know, if they're expected to drive ratings. I loved that they came from the theater community. Both of them have been involved in Broadway and started in Broadway shows. And recently. And Yep. And... Um, I thought a lot of the pieces that I think Sarah wrote for mm-hmm. the for the Tony Awards were really funny. Like the opening number was them kind of on dueling grand pianos playing this really funny song about how none of them have ever went, won anything. And obviously Josh Groban and Sarah Bareilles are incredibly talented and, you know, have achieved a ton of success. Yeah, Maureen um, turned to me and said, is that true? Have they really never yeah, won anything? And but it was, yeah, it, it is. It was this tongue-in-cheek song all about to here's to those that lose. Yeah. So I loved it. I thought they were great. And my take on it was that they were good. They certainly were capable, but I think they were, I heard it described this way, and I, I really agreed with this, that they were safe. You know, they didn't really do anything that that out there. Yeah, that's why I liked it. They're safe. That's exactly the approach I would have taken. Well, I was, <laughs> I was trying to think of, you know, who my favorite Tony host of recent years has been, and I have to say, I think my favorite is Neil Patrick Harris, but I think that's a lot to do with the fact that he's... He can get away with anything. He's so awesome. Right, yeah. He's a... He can sing, he can dance, he's a good actor, and he's hosted, that's why he's hosted so many times, but, you know, this was just totally different than that, and I liked it. I thought they were, they were good, but I thought they were a little safe, so, which I think is fine. It was, and, and actually I did read that the ratings went up for the first time 
Wait, I also think it's worth mentioning. I really loved the community aspect. And so I, Josh and I mentioned like we both work in marketing and communication. So in my job, I do a lot with social media and engagement and kind of how to create that relationship with a large general public. And I loved what Sarah and Josh did by asking people to tag, you know, use the, the certain Tony hashtag on social hashtag media. Tony, Tony dreaming. Hashtag Tony's dreaming. Tony dreaming. No, that, that can't be right. Yeah. Hashtag Tony's dreaming, I think. Hashtag Tony dreaming would be, <laughs> I feel like you'd get weird, weird things. Where Whatever. They used a special hashtag and then people posted pictures of themselves in their first role, like growing up. So in elementary school and high school and they showed pictures like that from the performers. And then at the end of the night, they showed pictures from everyone watching the Tonys who had tagged in. And I really liked that engagement. I think I pictured, you know my 16 year old self on the couch watching the Tonys when I was growing up and, and seeing your picture and how amazing that would be exactly and yeah. but beyond that even if you didn't see your picture just feeling a part of that community and I think that that was the spirit of what Sarah and Josh were trying to accomplish and I think they did that really well yeah that's a good point okay so there were performances during the Tonys from every nominated best musical there were four of them and then every nominated best revival of a musical there were three of those so, Maureen, I'd like to ask what your favorite performance was and what your least favorite performance was. We're not going to go through each one, and then I will give my favorite. Wait, what are my choices? And least favorite. Let's go through so, okay. all seven. So, the four nominees for Best Musical were The Band's Visit, Mean Girls, Frozen, and SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. And the nominees for Best Revival of a Musical were Carousel, My Fair Lady, and Once on this Island. Okay, so I'll go first so you can you can have a second to think about this. I think that my favorite performance from the evening was probably a tie between Mean Girls and My Fair Lady. And I have to caveat that by saying that Mean Girls did its pre-Broadway tryout in Washington, D.C., and Maureen got a chance to see that. Yeah, also with girlfriends. I'm very lucky. Yeah, I I didn't see it. So this was my first interaction with the musical. And I thought the number that they picked was pretty good for the show. Uh, and I thought they did a good job. Um, I also really liked My Fair Lady, the performance. They mashed up three songs. And the person who played Eliza Doolittle, I think her name is Lauren Ambrose. Her voice is... Yeah, she has ugh, a really great it's voice. It's liquid gold. It's so good. Um, so those are my two favorite. My least favorite was definitely Frozen. And I was surprised by this because I really liked the music for Frozen. They also did a couple of songs. They did For the First Time in Forever and then a part of Let It Go. And I think the problem for me with this show is that I just know the music from the animated film so well, where you have Adina Menzel singing Elsa and you have Kristen Bell singing Anna. And so to hear other performers try to do those same songs it fell a little flat for me and the staging wasn't anything that exciting and it just it fell was... a little flat for everyone okay first of all but it's gonna make a lot of money yes in new york and that's you know we're gonna get into this in a second but um but anyway i just didn't really love the performance i cannot believe that i'm saying this because my fair lady is one of my all-time favorite musicals i have to say that that was number two for me a very close second but my favorite number was freaking SpongeBob SquarePants. They did this number with 
Squidward, Squidward yeah. who is this octopus character and and the gentleman playing him wore his costume had these like legs that came be- so basically it looked like he had four pairs of legs yeah we'll include we'll the include link, like a link to link some to kind of picture yeah oh, to the performance the to Tony the performance. whole performance you get the whole performance um but basically it was this huge tap number that was very creative given that this was coming from a spongebob squarepants cartoon i think they adapted it to the stage in a really smart way um and i loved it i was i could not stop looking at that leg costume and i was very i mean he yeah gavin lee gavin has my ultimate admiration for being able to do that kind of difficult tap number with extra legs attached to him yeah it was it was and he was show stopping re- he was rewarded with a tony nomination for yeah. best featured actor in a musical okay so you're i also agree those legs were something the costume so shout out to the costume designer yeah very cool um and i also that they the person playing spongebob his name is ethan slater he didn't perform in the number but he actually introed the performance and i thought he was really good too like it was actually really funny i haven't watched spongebob in 15 years but I yeah thought it was and pretty he funny. is from the washington dc area yeah, as are cool. we so local shout out very cool okay so your least favorite performance um probably also frozen yeah it was i mean again they are incredibly talented their voices are amazing but it's different than adina and Kristen, and that is what we're used to listening to so i think in a in the way that spongebob was adapted from the tv show to the to the stage as a musical they did that in a like creative and it brought something new to the story. I felt as though Frozen was a little bit just a regurgitation of the movie and there was nothing that from what we saw in this performance that the stage brought new to it. And so I think that might have been a little bit of a missed opportunity. Again, very talented performers just didn't resonate with me. Okay, so with that being said, I want to shift and talk just a little bit about the state of theater as it is now in the United States. Everyone should go see more theater, number yes. one. Yeah, that's... So Maureen and I are obviously huge proponents of theater. That's where we met, as we told you all. But what I want to talk about is that it seems like more and more, especially when it comes to to musicals, but even with plays sometimes, that there's a lot of what Maureen was just talking about, which is a lot of content that's based on existing properties, especially properties from other visual mediums, so television or film. So each of the four nominees for Best Musical this year was based on either a movie, in the case of The Band's Visit, Mean Girls, and Frozen, or a TV show, SpongeBob SquarePants. And I want to, I just want to talk a little bit about, is this a good thing? And if it's not, why isn't there more original material out there? And go from there. So Maureen, is it a good thing that that we're taking movies and making them into musicals? I think anything being turned into a musical is a good thing. I think the opportunity here is to add something new that only the live stage, a live musical, can add to it, right? Because there's there's something very different from seeing a story told on stage in a live theater performance than there is in a film. Les Mis, obviously, the stage version came first, right? Mm -hmm. Am I misspeaking? Yeah, no, no, that's The stage version came first. But based on a book. 
based on a book, but so then they had the stage version, and the stage version obviously was so successful, will be successful forever, and then they made the movie, which obviously Anne Hathaway was in that, and Hugh Jackman, and, and don't they, for, and don't forget they made a they made a non musical version of the movie as well. I I think I should forget that. With, that sounds terrible. With Liam Neeson. Oh my! Playing John I haven't Bajon. I haven't seen that. I I can't. No comment. Well, I was just saying that they that they did that probably in response to the popularity of the musical. But continue. Well. What I was going to say is that the movie version of that musical offered a new perspective. It offered you the way that the director chose to film it and portray the characters. I feel like it shed a different light. Some may think better. Some may think worse. But it added something different. It added that close-up element. It added that level of reality and grittiness that you don't always get from the stage version. So I thought that they were nice compliments to each other. They offered different things for different people. I think SpongeBob in this instance seems to be doing that. And that's, I mean, probably going to happen because it's a cartoon. So, of course, it's going to be different with real people. But what are the ways that you can use the stage to add something new and add something different and enhance the story or tell the story in a different way? Um, than it was previously done in so, the movie. So you're saying that's that, the opportunity I see. Right. So you're saying that if we're able to take something that exists already in a movie or television show form and be inventive with it, mm-hmm. then it's worth turning it into a Broadway show. Yeah, I think that question is hard. Is it worth turning it into a Broadway show? The producers would say if it's going to make money, it's worth well, turning well, it into a Broadway show. But I, one could argue that too. If it's going to turn a profit and, and make a lot of people money and add something to the cultural experience. And for a lot of these shows, for example, actually even Mean Girls, Mean Girls, Frozen, and SpongeBob, if those get people to the theater who otherwise would not come to see a musical, but if it gets them there because they know and love the movie, then I think that that's doing a real service to society and that it's bringing maybe young children or teenagers and it's bringing them to the theater and that in itself is a service. So I think that this is just one of those things that every show isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea and it shouldn't be because otherwise it wouldn't have a target audience and it wouldn't probably do well. I think any new musical brings value and I think that if, if the producers can find a way to do that in a way that is profitable and makes money, because that's what mean, that that's what will make the show last and that's what we want, um, then that's a good thing. If they can do that in an even like more creative way, like we've seen with the SpongeBob tap number and like we've seen with Lion King as an example with that amazing puppetry, right? That that was totally different than the cartoon. Even if Lion King isn't your favorite movie, there's still – amazing value in seeing it on stage and seeing the original cartoon. So I think that is a particularly good example. I think I have a, I think I just have a, a complicated relationship to that question because to me, I see musicals like Mean Girls and Frozen that I just think putting the money thing aside, because that's an obvious reason why you would do anything if it's going to make money but just from the artistic side is there really someone clamoring for you know a broadway version of this and again putting money aside because frozen's going to make boatloads of money but i just but think about the five-year-old girls who are going to lose their little minds when they see elsa live on stage yeah that's true that's true and i guess it, it's so interesting because I'm just trying to think of musicals that we've seen that I think really work that were adapted 
and you mentioned the Lion King, which I think is a really good example of something that the cartoon is great and the musical is also great. But I think one of the things that they did with the musical was that they took the songs that were in the animated film and they put those in the musical, but they also put in really, really good new songs. And so I think to your point that they were really inventive with what they did on stage. Well, so, so maybe Frozen will have really, really good new songs and we just don't know that yet because we haven't seen it. That's true. We haven't seen it. Based on what we've seen... And what they're doing with Sven looks pretty cool. Yeah, the, the puppetry seems pretty good. I don't know. It's just... I, I just think that I would love to see more original material. And I don't mean completely original material because I would argue that something like Hamilton is original even though it was based on a book. But I would just love to see more originality. And I think this is this could just be a personal opinion of mine, but I don't necessarily want to go to the theater to see something that I've seen before. So I'd rather see something like Hamilton or one of Maureen and I's favorite shows that we've seen recently called Dear Evan Hansen, which won the 2017 Tony Award for Best Musical. It's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just, I would rather see that than something something that's being essentially regurgitated. And I guess I just have this idea that if it was based on a movie that they're just going to take the script from the movie and move it over to the stage, which is not always the case. But anyway, I just thought it was really interesting that we're seeing a lot of content and a lot of money put towards recreating things that have already been done on the Broadway stage. But I agree with your point about if it gets people to the theater, then that's a good thing. So I'll say this. I'm very curious for anyone listening. Um, if you guys have any musicals that you have seen on stage that were derivative of something. So if you saw the movie first and you saw the musical second, what's an example of one you loved and why? We'll just keep it strictly positive. Like, feel free to leave us a comment. We'd love to know. And what, be... what did you love about seeing it on stage? That'd be really cool. Okay, so that'll do it for our marquee topic for this week. And we are going to move on to our teasers, which are things in pop culture you may have heard about but haven't checked out. And we are recommending that you check these things out. So Maureen, I will pass it to you first to give us your teaser for this week. Okay, my teaser is... I think you should all go watch Splitting Up Together. So the season has wrapped. It was on ABC this year, and it's starring Jenna Fisher and Oliver Hudson. And they are a couple who has been married and has three kids, and they decide that they're going to uncouple. They're going to, you know, pursue a divorce and that they just don't love each other in that way anymore, but they're going to stay living in the same house. And it's very silly in that way, right? Like there's a lot that you're like, okay, this isn't. This isn't real life, but they do it in a really funny way, and I really love both the two leads. I think they do a really nice job. They're balanced together, their chemistry together, and I really like that ABC cast two people who are an appropriate age for each other. I literally was talking about this at work today with some colleagues, and I looked up their ages, and Jenna Fisher is 44, and Oliver Hudson is 41 at the time that we are f recording this podcast, and in my mind, I'm like... Good for you, ABC. It's not like we're seeing a you know older guy and like a twenty something girl. Um, this is a couple that could be married in real life. They are well suited, well matched, um, sparring partners, and I love it. The cliffhanger at the end of the season. Spoiler alert! I'm not going to give a spoiler okay. alert. 
but it's really good. So you should binge watch the season, get to the cliffhanger, and then I will surely be talking about it when it comes back on the air. Josh, what is your teaser? Okay, so my teaser is for this week is the new album from Dave Matthews Band. Shocker. Not a shocker. Dave Matthews is Josh's favorite band of all time. They are my favorite, but their new album called Come Tomorrow is their ninth studio album, but it's also their first in six years. And while this is not my favorite studio album that they've ever released, I just don't think there's any comparison to their first three albums that they put out, Under the Table and Dreaming, Crash, and Before These Crowded Streets. It's really great to have new music from them. These are songs that they've been working on on tour for the past 12 years, really. One of the songs made its debut in 2006, 12 years ago, and is now on this album. And I just, I I don't know, the music is really good. Again, it's not my favorite album as a whole, but there's some standout songs, including a song called The Idea of You, a song called Come On, Come On, and the first single that they released from the album called Samurai Cop. It's just a good album, and I think you should check it out. Okay, so that will do it for this week. Maureen, thank you very much. Josh, thank you very much. And most importantly, thank you, dear listener. We're glad you're here. Yes, thank you for listening. Please subscribe in your podcast player of choice if you haven't already. We will be back every week with a new show, and we're excited to share this pop culture journey with you. 